Gentlemen, what time is it? Five o'clock. Incorrect. It's time for another episode of the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast, and welcome back. My name is Isaiah Leininger. Joining me today, as always, is our good friend Walker Howell, and we have a very special guest coming back, Wyatt Fairman. Thank you so much for being back on the show. We're so glad to have you here. He has set the record for the number of guest appearances on our show. This is his third one. Is it really? Yes. My third one? Yes. No, it's my second one. Or second one. Did I still set the record? Uh, you still set the record, though. Awesome. Yeah, it's uh, 5.48, actually, if you wanted to be specific. <laughs> it's time for another episode. That's what time it is. Whatever time you're listening to this, we're so glad to have you here. Obviously, we would not be able to do this if it were not for you guys. Gentlemen, we are wrapping up Season 2 of this show. We're hey so, We're so glad that uh, we've been given this opportunity to bring multiple seasons of the show to you guys. Uh, as, you, as you can tell just by the title, uh, we're going to be continuing our series of Wait, the Bible Talks About, dot, 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 and we are filling in that dot, dot, dot today with pew warmers. Now, before we get into the, that topic, we want to remind you guys that this is a, a show where we look at worldly problems from a godly perspective. That's our tagline. That's our slogan. That's our motto. That's what we try to do here on the show. Look at worldly problems from a godly perspective. And these worldly problems are usually controversial uh, they divide people. And we want to make sure that when we talk about these kinds of things, that we do it with love and with truth uh, and sincerity, making sure that we are saying what the Bible says, but saying it in a way as to not intentionally offend anyone. Uh, and this, this episode isn't necessarily as much as a controversial topic. It's not so much as a worldly problem, but it's definitely an issue that's going on within the church right now. And that's why we need to talk about it. And again, what we're talking about is pew warmers. Now, before we can really go in depth on this, we need to figure out what we're meaning when we say pew warmers. What is a pew warmer? A pew warmer is um, someone who uh, does not uh, act on their faith, even though that they are commanded to. You know that we're always called to do works um, and we're always called to have an act of faith. Uh, and I think we were going to read James 2 and verse 17, uh, which says, Thus faith by itself, um, thus also faith by itself, it does, if it does not have works, is dead. Actually, Apparently Walker, that's the New King James Version, but that's a very yeah, uh, uh, confusing version of it. Let, let's go back, actually, and, and read from, the, from James chapter 2, starting in verse 14, okay. just, to, just to give a little bit of context. So James says, What is a prophet, my brethren, if someone says he has faith... But does not have works. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So James here is saying, you know, it takes more than just saying something. You know, you you it takes more than just you acknowledging that God exists for you to be saved. You have to put in that effort. You have to put in that work. Yeah, I think as far as pew warmers are concerned, if you're a member of the church listening to this, then you should have a vague idea at the least of what we're discussing. It's it's those people that we know and we love, but maybe they, they show up only to one service a week. Um, not not a Bible class, not a Wednesday night Bible class, not a Sunday evening worship service, just, just that one small block of time. I would even suggest to you that you can expand that to just the holiday season. So those mm-hmm. people who show up, you know, just on Easter, just on Christmas to symbolize those days when Jesus was born and then, of course, when he died. 
we know that's not the commandment. But as far as pew warmers specifically are concerned, we have to keep in mind that as much as it is easy to judge them for habits that we ourselves may not partake in, we may have people listening to this that by definition would be considered pew warmers. These, these aren't just you know people that we can just roast for an hour straight. These are human beings with souls and souls that we care about greatly. And that's the whole purpose for, for having this episode specifically. You, you bring up a really good point, Wyatt. And like we said at the beginning of the episode, we're not trying to intentionally offend anyone. We're not trying to insult anyone. But if something we say here, or more importantly, something that the scriptures say during the, uh, that, that we read during this episode, it kind of calls you out a little bit, well, that's, that's what it's supposed to do, mm-hmm. right? You know, the scripture isn't just a book that we can look at and say, yep, yeah, that makes sense, and, and be on our, with our lives. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's the kind of thing that after reading it, it requires change. Yeah, and I'm going to piggyback that with saying, first and foremost, it is not the goal of anyone on this whole crew for this podcast here to, um, it's not anyone's goal to judge anyone or make them feel maybe inadequate, Mm -hmm. if that's the right word. It's not our job to judge, according to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Like, it's not our purpose or intention. We are simply trying to show what the scriptures say. And so if there is something that where we misspoke or we say something that isn't scriptural or isn't scripturally based, then that's a problem that we would like addressed from you all, our audience. And, And on that note, at some point, it may not be the time for it right now, but I do have a story that kind of goes along with pew warmers. And, um, yeah, there is not a biblical reference in it. So I want to give that disclaimer, but it's no, it's an illustration. So I, I think I'll save it for later until we get to the actual meat of this conversation and let our two lovely hosts take us away. I don't know about lovely, unless, <laughs> unless we're being replaced and we just don't know about it. But uh, the point is, uh, like James says in James chapter two, faith without works is dead. But it's important for us to remember the fact that our works mean nothing unless God first offers grace. Mm-hmm. There is nothing that we could do. There's nothing that we could, there's no way for us to earn our salvation. Uh, I, the best way that I've heard it put is that we can't earn our salvation. We just receive it, right? It's a gift. You know, uh, uh, I want us to look at Ephesians chapter two, verses one through 10. And then after that, I, I also have an illustration, uh, but I'm actually going to share it. <laughs> um, but but first, uh, we'll let the scriptures talk, and then and then I'll tell my story. Uh, Ephesians chapter two, starting in verse one, Paul says, "And you, talking about Christians, were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh." carrying out the desires of our body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that the coming ages he might show immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So what is this passage saying? Well, the first couple of verses, Paul is talking to Christians. You know, the whole thing is to Christians. But specifically in the first couple of verses, he says, you guys were sinners. You guys were walking in sin. You were living in sin and you were dead to sin. But God, because of his mercy, because of his love, sent Christ to die for us. And that is the grace with which we have been saved that it talks about in verse 5 and verse 8. That is the, the act of mercy. That is God sending his son to die on the cross. And then at the, the end of the passage, you know, people will often kind of pull this out and say, see, faith alone. This is, this is what the Bible says. But if you look at it, Paul's not saying that we shouldn't do works because uh, it's faith-only salvation. Paul's saying that our works are not something for us to be boastful about. Paul's saying our works are not something for us to be proud of. Because in all reality, we're doing what is commanded of us, right? We're doing the things that God has asked of us. You know, we go back to the reference uh, in James. James says faith without works is dead. But that doesn't mean we're going to be glorified for those works. That doesn't mean we get to be arrogant because of those works. We're simply servants of the Lord doing what needs to be done. Uh, and, you know, maybe a good way to help us figure out what this passage says a little bit better is the illustration that I that I've heard, uh, and of course I'm stealing it from someone else. It's not my creation, but you know, if someone said to you, you know, I'm just going to pick on Walker because he's sitting next to me. Walker, if I said to you, come to my dorm tomorrow at exactly 3.15 in the afternoon, and if you do that, I'll give you 20 bucks. I'll be there. <laughs> exactly, exactly, right? You would make sure that you were at my dorm, at the right time. I'll be there five minutes early. <laughs> Do I get an extra five? No. <laughs> but, but the point is, you're going to make sure that you follow every stipulation of, of that promise, right? Because otherwise, what happens? You know, if you show up two days from now at 3.15, what's going to happen? I'm going to say, nope, you missed it. It was, it was yesterday. If you show up at 3.30, I'm going to say, nope, you missed it. It was 15 minutes ago. Right. And if you don't show up to my dorm at all, if you go to someone else's dorm, they're not going to give you 20 bucks. They're not the one who made the promise. Yeah. Right. Why it's not going to give you 20 bucks, even though he loves you. But, you know, he's not the one who said, come to my dorm and I'll give you 20 bucks. I love you, but I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> so and, that, and that's kind of what it is with salvation. Mm -hmm. Right. God has offered us this gift of salvation. It's not it's not anything that we've done to deserve it. It's not anything that we've done to earn that salvation. There's no reason for him to, to even give that gift. But it's because of his mercy and it's because of his love that he offers that in the first place. But we still have to make sure that we're following the, the bylaws, so to speak, of his promise so that we get the gift, right? God, if God says, do this and you will be saved, we can't expect to be saved if we don't do what he's asked us. We can't expect to receive his gift if we don't follow the stipulations addressed in it. So I, th I think that may be a good way of, to help us remember how, how faith and works or how grace and works go together and how, and how those two can coexist at the same time. Because, you know, in the religious world, a lot of people will say it's either grace alone or works alone, right? You either work your way to salvation or you do nothing because God's got your back. And in reality, Scripture says that it's both. That God has to offer grace first, but you still have to do the works in order to receive that gift. Yeah, and you say that illustration. It's really 
really difficult for me to hear that and feel good about myself. And what I mean by that is I, I feel like, isn't it somewhat sad almost that God almost uses heaven as an incentive for us to do good? Hmm. Like, does, do, do we really need a reward to do the right thing? Do, do we really need an eternal promise to do what's loving and what's good in God's eyes? Now, I'm not, I'm not dismissing heaven. I'm not going to be not grateful for that by any means. I'm not dismissing the power and the love that was in Christ's sacrifice for us. I'm not doing that by any means. But when we break this down, the choice of the matter is good or evil. And we have some person... Some guy who walked the earth, according to atheists years ago, that's, that supposedly solved that problem for us, gave us a way to where we could choose good without the fear of an extreme, extreme punishment. Well, his name was Jesus. You mentioned Ephesians chapter 2. I may have misspoke somewhere what I just said, but Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, says something different. This is talking about Jesus when you hear the pronouns here. For Jesus, he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law, the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two. So making peace. There's a peace that comes along with obeying the gospel. There's a unity. Imagine a world where no one argues. That'd be great. <laughs> I mean, we were about to just get to a fight because I said I wouldn't give you 20 bucks earlier, right? Mm. Now, you're in this place, this beautiful place of heaven, filled with unity. The purpose of heaven, it's not really to incentivize us. It's to get to God's desired place for his people. And that's what's interesting about this whole pew warmers theme. When you choose to avoid to do the work for the Lord that the Bible clearly lays out, it's almost as if you're choosing to ignore this idea of heaven, this idea of unity in of itself. You know, you bring up a really good point, Wyatt. You know, a lot of, a lot of people, they, they have the attitude, and I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, of not doing something unless it does something good for them. I'm guilty of that too. Right? Like, <laughs> like not doing a good thing without expecting rate, uh, you know, someone, someone to do a good thing back to you, right? The reward that we have for doing good is the joy that we get for helping someone else. That, that should be enough. And on top of that, God promises us, and we know that we can trust God. The scriptures make that very clear, that God does not lie, that God keeps his promises. God has promised us that if we do the good things that he has asked us to do, that he has commanded us to do as he is Lord and we are servants, then we will be with him in heaven for all eternity. And that in and of itself, it not only is the greatest reward anyone could ever have, but it's our goal. It should be what we're striving for the most. Most definitely. You know, um, I think this all comes down to with what Wyatt was saying and with what you have with what you were saying. It comes down to our intention of uh, of of what we are trying to do. Um, you know, we talk a lot about intentionality on this podcast, and we're dedicating a whole season to it in the future. But regardless of that, you know, spoiler, and, yeah, spoiler alert. Um, but it comes down to what your intention is whenever you're uh, going to church. Wyatt referenced earlier about the idea of someone who goes to church uh, just 
yearly or someone who goes to church just every Sunday, I guess, just to get their Jesus hour in or whatever it may be. But um, the, the question that we need to be asking ourselves, and I've been guilty of this before, but uh, is that do we, are we actually going to church because we want to, because we have a desire to? Or are we going because we get drug out of the house by either our parents or by an incentive that the church is having a potluck meal that day and so we want to get good food from all the people and so we just want to go to the potluck and not necessarily listen to the lesson, but we have to listen to the lesson to get to the potluck. You know, you know there, there's a lot of different ways that um, we can be enticed to go to church, but there's very few who have the desire to actually want to get up and go to church. You know, the past couple of years, especially, you know, the when the pandemic was just starting, uh, my services back home, we were, we were fortunate in that we only had to cancel services for two months. Uh, a lot of areas had it worse. A lot of areas had more, uh, more cases. Uh, but we were fortunate that we only had to close down our church building for two months. But during those two months, my family and I would gather every Sunday morning, at the kitchen table and we would watch a live stream from somewhere. So, uh, uh, you know, another church in the area, or, uh, if we knew the preacher, we might tune into a, a church a little bit farther away. But the point is those two months, I, I could not stand like the, There's nothing wrong with watching services online, especially if you are unable to go to them in person, what, you know, due to health problems or, or whatever, but I could not stand it. You know, it, it, would, it would lag. The singing was bad. It, I couldn't focus during the lesson. I couldn't really take notes. Once, once we got back into having regular services, I realized that worship has so many benefits, right? And, it's, and if we go into worship with just the intention of it being something to check off our to-do list, right? You know, 9, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. or whatever, I'll be at church. Right, and then I can go home and do whatever I want, and for the rest of the week I can live however I want to live. But we, when we have that mindset, we miss out on so many of the blessings that we get from church. When we get, when we assemble together as Christians, right? We don't. We miss out on that fellowship. We miss out on the love that God shows to us through our brethren. We miss out on lessons from the scriptures that help us get closer to God. We miss out on the chance to worship God. You know, a lot of people in other countries don't have that chance, mm-hmm. right? Especially when you look at what's happened in, you know, Iraq and China and North Korea and just, you know, all these countries where Christianity is, is, is illegal, they don't have the chance to worship. And if they do, they have to do it secretly. We broadly, or excuse me, uh, we proudly can proclaim the fact that we go to church and yet so many people say, I don't want to take that time. I don't want to take the time to go there and, and spend that time learning about God and drawing closer together with him and with my brothers in Christ. We don't, we don't take that chance. We don't, or excuse me, we don't, we don't make that choice to, to spend that time doing what God has asked us to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 24, or excuse me, chapter 10 and verse 24 the writer there tells us not to forsake the assembly. Why? Well, he, he says earlier in that verse, in order to stir up love and good works, right? When we go to church, we are inspired to do loving things. We're inspired to do what God has asked us to do. At least you can be when you go in with the right mindset. In 2019, there was a United States major who will go unnamed for multiple reasons. One, because I don't want to embarrass him if he ever hears this, but two, because I don't know his name. <laughs> that um, 
had a interview with a famous military magazine. It, it was a well-respected magazine. It was probably not as fancy as, say, your uh, New York Times or even uh, something as fancy as Today. Is that a magazine? No, that's a, that's a TV show. Sorry. Um, one of those very respectful news sources was interviewing him about different technological plans they had, and he went into the idea of virtual reality. Virtual reality training how people train, ironically. Um, and then, of course, giving great, mm, maybe illustration is the right word, to the people training in our military of what a real-life simulation would be like, what a real-life situation would be like if they ever had to be in it. And um, the technology has gotten better. I'd write a paper on that. And it's kind of scary when you hear all these different things that virtual reality is starting to do and take over. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about church services. All right, gentlemen, uh, for our entire crew here, if you have either thought to yourself or openly said on this podcast the phrase going to church this episode, raise your hand. That's all of us. I know y'all can't see that, but if you could, all of us rose our hands there. The irony is that, and everybody here knows this, I'm, I'm just kind of saying it to reiterate it. We don't go to church. We are the church. Members of the church are the church. We attend worship service. Now, Isaiah made a statement earlier that got me riled up. And when I get riled up, I don't hold back. Y- y'all know I, I kind of say what's on my head, and I have a filter to myself where I can say some pretty bold things. You say there's nothing inherently wrong with streaming church services. In in the case of you are physically unable to make it to a one in person. Why? As in like as in someone physically cannot leave their house? Is is that what you're asking? Or Well, that person there's one person in the Bible who was literally roped down through the roof of a building to see Jesus. Sure. So, who gets to decide this line? Don't be too hard on yourself. God decides. God decides the line, right? Yeah. But here's the thing: Do I think anyone's at risk for worshiping virtually? No, because if they had good intentions, as both of you referenced earlier, that intentionality of worshiping God and praising God and unity and peace, as described in Ephesians. That's great. The problem is, I woke up one time, get this, at 9.01 a.m. during COVID. And I had to run out to the living room where my family was upset but waiting for me. I had overslept Bible class streaming by one minute. There's intentionality there. I didn't mean to oversleep. But I got myself comfortable enough to where I was like, oh, this 855 alarm, it's fine. I'll just let it pass. I think, sorry, um, got slightly distracted there, but that's all right. My point with that is this. We go to worship service as the church. The church is obligated to still fulfill its duties in the best capacity it has. So my illustration earlier of that that person being roped down through the roof to see Jesus, that's obviously not realistic. That shows the desperation that people had to see Jesus back then. And if you have to be roped down through the roof of your church building to attend, I mean, more power to you. (laughs) But there's a reason a lot of congregations have shut-in lists and people that go and 
continually visit them and even worship with those who want to want to have worship just more privately. Mm-hmm. All of that's okay. There are multiple avenues, but the moral of the story is your intention. So what if your intention is to just simply look the part? Mm-hmm. What if your intention is to have people thinking that you're okay, that you have everything figured out and you're fine? What if your intention isn't really what it should be? I, I, I turn the table back to the host. You know, um, you mentioned earlier and uh, why it got done, or he just had a little spill over the idea of virtual worship and stuff like that. And I think it's going to address a little bit more. I, I want to address it just a little bit further in a sense, um, and that is uh, it, it references the point that my producer is wanting me to make uh, regarding complacency. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and so, um, you know, with virtual worship, uh, you talked about the idea of people who, uh, who cannot physically attend the worship service in which I love Wyatt's point that, um, that people back in biblical times, they made every effort that they could to go and have the desire because they wanted to sit at Jesus' feet because they wanted to go and learn from them. And only if we had that same desire where we would do everything in our power to go and to get to the building or to get to the fellow members of our congregation because that's why I address we make up the church. It's not the building itself that has anything special or any value to it. But if we make the, uh, the priority in our lives to go and to uh, be surrounded by the fellow members of our congregation, um, then, uh, then we are showing that we want to do anything in our power to uh, be at the feet of Jesus in that sense. But what I wanted to mention regarding virtual worship is that I would dare say that people who uh, use virtual worship as a form to substitute either going to church or uh, doing whatever, um, even though they may be physically able to or they're physically well to do so, I would say that it falls under the category of pew warmers. Um, And I would say that those who are sitting at home on their couch on Sunday morning whenever they have the ability to get in their car and go to church – with without any physical element or physical illness, I would say that they fall into the category of pew warmers because they want to do what makes them happy and what's more comfortable for them. And we need to get out of that mindset because it can be very easy to become complacent with sitting on the couch every Sunday morning because that's your comfort seat. You can sit on the couch in your pajamas and uh, do those things, but it, is that truly uh, is your intention there truly serving God or is your intention there truly trying to just please yourself and become more comfortable with the worship atmosphere additionally you know and why you kind of brought up this as well you know is our intention just to check something off the box yeah. is our intention to look good in front of other people or are it are is or is our atten- intention good night or is our intention <laughs> To worship God and to serve Him. Because if we're just doing it to check something off the box, then what's the purpose of even going? Right? You're missing the whole point of being there if you're just there to be there. Mm-hmm. And if you're, the whole point of you being there is to make yourself look good, is, to, is for everyone else to say, wow, that guy's so good. He went to church this week. Then what's the point of going? Because your focus is not right. Your intention is not right. Worship isn't about us. Right? Worship just has nothing to do with us. I mean, I mean, it has has a little bit. Like, fair enough. Fair we're enough. the ones worshiping, so I guess by a sense of action verb, yeah, it has a little bit to do with us. But it has nothing to do with us. 
Right, right. <laughs> we, we are not the focus is, is what I meant to say. Th- thank you for, for catching that. We are not the focus of our own worship. If we were, we would be worshiping ourselves, and, and that's called narcissism, not Christianity, mm. right? God is the center, not only of our worship, but he should be the center of our lives. Mm. And when we have the opportunity to gather with other Christians to learn more about his word, to serve him, to worship him, to bring glory to him, and bring ourselves closer to him, then why would we not jump at that opportunity? And I'm guilty of this. I'm, you know, I get, it's, it's easy to slip into that mind of, I have to go to church, right? You know, it's easy to, to, to slip into that sort of mindset where it's, I'm going to church, yay. But, it, you know, it's, it's, it's supposed to be hallelujah. I get to go to church, right? It's supposed to be a, a thing that we are taking pleasure in, not just something that we have to do, right? And I think it's important for us to remember the, the, the foreign countries that I mentioned earlier, right, where they cannot worship in public. If they worship at all, it has to be done in secret. You, you talk about foreign countries and worshiping. Um, I watched this video once, and it had to do with the underground church in China. And it's amazing how um, the people down there will literally, and, and this may not just happen just in China, it may happen in other third world countries as well, but this is the video that I saw, and it, and it, and it, it addressed specifically the underground church in China, and these people literally are risking their entire lives to go and to be with their fellow members um, in order to worship God, and so it shows that, uh, it, it shows, in a sense, how... Uh, how much we can desire to go and worship God that we're willing to risk our whole entire lives uh, regarding the people in China to just go and worship God together. So, interesting. Anyhow, continue. Yeah, and I'm going to hop in here because we have done a lot of defining. We've done a lot of kind of cause and effect, Mm -hmm. if you will. Anyone yet to ask the question how? As in, how do we fix this problem? How does a person who is a pew sitter mm. fix this problem? Well, earlier, I got on to Isaiah a little bit whenever he said we have nothing to do with the worship. I was intentionally very pitiable in that moment. Because speaking of pitiable, I'd like to turn your attention to Revelation chapter 3. Um, Revelation chapter 3, Jesus is talking. Um, we know that because the words are written in red. Um <laughs> Verse 15 is where we'll start. We'll read. There are um, three verses that I want to read. And we're going to take a pause after the first two and go from there. I'll start. Uh, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. All right. So pause. Jesus is asking that we do something something anything i kind of imagine it to be a plea because it's so distasteful for us to be lukewarm which is by his definition neither hot nor cold meaning if we are a indeed pew sitter our worship and our faith and our love for god is just kind of meh i confess to y'all that i've offered a lot of meh worship in my life where I didn't appreciate what it really was or what it meant. But he does offer a cure of sorts in verse 17. It's not initially on the surface. You have to read into it a little bit. 
But uh, he says in verse 17, For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. When Adam and Eve ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, what, what was the first thing they recognized about themselves? Their nakedness. They were unclothed. And they immediately worked to find a solution to that. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is saying these same people that may go to church, they may compliment someone else. They may, they may be complimenting the rich and talking about all the good things that they have done, all the ways that they've prospered. Certainly they don't need anything. Certainly they have everything figured out. Jesus is saying, don't worry about them. i got to ask, what's so funny? It's just Walker. He's, he's putting in comments on our script about me saying nakedness. But anyway, please continue with your point. Gentlemen, that is so immature. This is a professional, biblically-based podcast. Yeah, Walker! Walker. All right, as a producer note, I say we get back on topic. Producer says get back on topic. And, yeah, pitiable is mentioned in verse 17. The idea is if you want to fix this problem, you have to start within yourself. You, Comparing yourself to someone else won't do any good whatsoever. Look within yourself and allow God and his word to mold that image and allow yourself to react to that image. I offer this story now, and then my comments will pretty much be at a close. But our next topic as written in our script is where is your heart at? And I probably do not have the authority to lead us into that next point. I genuinely do not You do have the authority now. I do? Yes. Awesome. Authority (laughs) granted. Our next point, where's your heart at? For the longest time, I was lost. There have been times after I obeyed the gospel and became a Christian where I was lost myself. This little illustration I grant you. I went to a Tennessee Titans football game. I did go to worship that day. I went to two worship services, actually, because, you know... I did my best to attend and be with, you know, the fellow members of the church. But it was really, really cold. It didn't start out that way. It was about 33 degrees, but it was raining. It was a little windy, so it was like the perfect combination of just bitter all the way around. It wasn't snow that relaxes on your hat or your clothing and melts over time. It was rain. So you got drenched and you had to face the cold because of it. Well, the person I was with gave me some hand warmers. So you know, I, I stuck them up my gloves and I shook them around and I felt the heat grow from these hand warmers. It was, it was glorious, gentlemen. It was absolutely amazing. They probably saved the doctors from having to remove my hands with like severe frostbite. I don't know if that's possible with 33 degree temperatures, but it's what would have happened in my, in my eyes at least. Fast forward over time, those hand warmers lost their effectiveness. I was driving back actually to our second worship service we were going to go to that day. And I just, by happenstance, had put the hand warmers in my back pocket. Kind of like where you put your wallet or your phone or something, just in the back pocket. And I got my car and I sat down and I was trying to warm up, so I put the seat warmers on. And that was all right for a little bit. And eventually I felt this very, almost 
burning sensation out of my back pocket, right on the rear area, well, of my rear. It was so strange. I was like, this is weird. This seat warmer is really working overtime this time, right? Give it a few more minutes, and now it's pretty much burning, and I smell something. Is my seat warmer on fire? So I reached my back pocket, and the hand warmer had been triggered by the seat warmer and was hotter than it had ever been. Because it's one thing to have to stand out in the cold. It's one thing for the heat that this is giving off to be on its own in the cold without really any effort putting in to preserve it. But if you put it in an environment that is even warmer than the seat warmer itself, it will grow and it will turn into something more powerful, more energetic than you ever thought possible. If you're a pew warmer and you're wondering what's wrong with your Christian life or your Christian walk or even your spiritual feelings and attitudes, look no further than who you're surrounding yourself with. If you're a hand warmer, trying to give off heat in the cold and you feel so overwhelmed by the world and its problems and its plagues and it's weighing you down, yeah, that's a pretty serious problem and eventually you're going to lose energy. If you go to church services and you really pour your heart out to God and you embrace this idea of unity as described in Ephesians chapter 2, and you let God and his word and his Holy Spirit work on you and work with you, and you grow to the Christian you need, you need to be, you can do more than you ever thought you could through God. I, re- I really like that analogy, Wyatt. You know, and, you know there's, a, there's a song that we sing sometimes here at Free called Light the Fire, right? Uh, the, the words go, I stand to praise you, but I fall on my knees. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is so weak. Oh goodness, I just blanked on the rest of the words. So light the fire. <laughs> is that is that? Does it that literally just goes into chorus. Yeah. So light the fire in my soul. Fan the flames, make me whole. Good night. I knew where this is going. Lord, you know where I've been. So yes. light the fire in my heart again. Thank you. I'm scatterbrained today, but yeah. You know, the, the, it reminded me of that song because, you know, you, you can kind of look at Christianity as, a, you know, as, as a burning fire, right? And when you're just one ember by itself, you're going to run out pretty quickly. But when you are tossed back into the fire, when you're surrounded by everyone else who's also giving off that heat, then you're going to catch up. You're going to start burning again, too. You know, so it's it's... This is not a race that we can run by ourselves, right? And, you know, that's not to say that this is a relay, so to speak, where we can hand it off to someone else and and be done with our part. But this is a team event, right? It's not something that one person can do on their own. If there was just one person trying to live for Christ on this earth and it was you, imagine how hard that would be. Imagine how difficult it would be. You would have no one to turn to on this earth. No form of support, no form of structure. You would be by yourself. You would be quickly burnt out. You would have no more heat. So it's so important for us to, to put in at worship services, to make sure that 
we are giving our all at worship service because when we're giving our all, we're getting more back. When we're giving everything we've got, then everyone else is giving us everything they've got. And it fills us up so much more than we ever need. Definitely. Um, you know, we had a few sub points in the where's your heart at, but I think Wyatt did a really good job of just mm-hmm. summing up all those points in his illustration. And um, and I think uh, I think it's important to just point out Matthew 6 and verse 24. It talks about where your heart is, or uh, there your treasure will be also. And ultimately, we need to have our heart set on heaven. And uh, Wyatt talked about how we can do that um, in transforming our, our minds and stuff like that. And so, uh, you know, today's been a really good episode. Uh, Isaiah I, I, just, I just have one more point, and, yes. then, and then we'll go ahead and close off the episode. Uh, Wyatt, you, you brought up the church at Laodicea that Jesus is speaking to in Revelation chapter 3. And something that came to my mind, this was the first time that I considered it while you were reading that passage. And I didn't want to cut you off because you were in the string of a really good point, but I wanted to bring it up now. You know, Jesus, like, like you said, he was asking them, just do something, right? Tell me that what I've done for you makes a difference. He's saying, even if you're going to completely out, you know, outright reject me, or you're going to completely serve me, at least do something. At least let me know that you acknowledge what I've done and that it means something to you. Right. Even if it means that you're going to ignore it, you're going to reject it, at least it means something to you. Because when you're just a pew warmer, when you're someone who you know, is just going to church and not living as a Christian, right? Because, of course, we can't be a Christian 24-7 if we're only a Christian when we're at church, mm. right? You know, if, if we, we cannot be a Christian if we are not on fire for God, right? God, you know, he said in that passage, he wishes that we were either burning hot or freezing cold. We, he doesn't want the, the middle. He doesn't want the, 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 the median there, right? He doesn't want us to just be, eh. He doesn't want us to be on the fence about our faith because as the old saying goes, the devil owns a fence. Mm-hmm. And so, but what I really wanted to get at with this point is, Imagine how disrespectful it is to go to church, to think about Jesus, and to basically say, this is all you're worth to me. I'm going to give you this hour once a week, and that's it. That's all that you're worth to me. There's no less. What? Or less. Right. That's all that I'm willing to give you. Because the way that you died on the cross, the sacrifice that you made while on earth, to come to earth and to die that painful death... Yeah, that's cool. Whatever, man. You get an hour. And that's it. Wow. Powerful point. Um, you know, uh, it, it's been a pleasure to have Wyatt on today. I was going to say something, but then I forgot it. My mind went blank. So we're just going to go ahead and wrap this up. Um, but it's, it's been an honor to have Wyatt on again today. And I thank him for coming and sharing his thoughts. And he has been a tremendous guest once again. Um, you have some? Yeah, it's been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you all for having me. I hope you'll have me back sometime. Yes, most definitely. Um, also, we want to shout out Wyatt. He also has his own podcast, In All Fairness, uh, a Christian podcast from a college student. I think it's something along those It's on a hiatus because I am a college student, and it's really hard to managing that without partners. So, yeah. But still, go, go check out the previous episodes he's already published and give him a follow uh, on Instagram as well. 
Um, he is having to run real quick, but uh, we want to thank him for joining us, and we want to encourage you to check out our website um, and also check out our Facebook and Instagram, uh, tteoj.com, Facebook, Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast, and Instagram, tteoj underscore podcast. And did you have any final thoughts, Isaiah? Uh, no, I thought we, just, we should just close this episode out in prayer. All right, let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together and we pray that we can take uh, something from your word today and apply it to our lives. We pray that we can become more intentional about serving you and not be a pew warmer, but have the desire to go and to be with your people and to give all the glory and honor and praise to you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus down on the cross for our sins and thank you for Wyatt and his willingness to come and be with us today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.